Are you recording? Oh, look at that. Seven, eight. Yeah. Oh, we're recording. All right, short stack. <laughs> You're not short stack. Do you remember how mad you usually get when people call you short? Oh, shorty. I'm going to call you tiny. <laughs> yeah. I remember we were at Best Buy in Burlington, and just some random guy just walked up. He wasn't even close to you. And he just goes, out of my way, shorty. <laughs> and then you were like, I think you punched a DVD or something like that. Well, I don't think I got half as mad as I did at, uh, what was it, uh, not Yorkdale Mall. Uh, what was the one? Uh, uh, was it Sherway? It was either Sherway or there, because there was two malls your parents always took you in. Sherway York- and Yorkdale. And I think yeah. if this is the story I'm thinking about, it was Yorkdale. When we went into Foot Locker and the lady yes, called is, me Big Shooter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were mad because Alex saw that Cheers reunion episode of Frasier and Cliff calls himself big shooter it's and then <laughs> fraser goes who's big shooter he's like hey that's me little nickname <laughs> i gave myself <laughs> and so alex walked around he started calling everyone big shooter and uh next thing you know as this is going on and you don't like being called big shooter sure enough the saleswoman <laughs> and you kind of you kind of had it coming because you were looking at new jersey she's like do you need help with it and you're like good and then she went, easy there, big shooter. <laughs> and then Alex and I just lost our composure. And you got all mad. And <sighs> I loved it. <laughs> you know, I was, I, I'll tell you, I was sitting there watching the, the new Miss Marvel TV show. And she's sitting there with her best friend, this guy. And he's like hyping her up. He's like, you're a Kamala Khan. You can do whatever you want to do in this world. And I'm like, my best friends would never talk to me that way. They would tell me you're a trash person, Ted. <laughs> you might as well give up right now. Jake, to this day, still tells me radio's a dying business. You should have never gotten into it. I'm like, Jake, I've been working in it for 15 years. He still gives hey, me hey, shit. Hey, I'm your best friend. and uh, I'm not my uh, best friends. You know what I mean? No, no. Let me, let me oh, Okay. It. I've done nothing but try to support you. And if anything... I'm the only one who's like, you know, just in case, like, I assume you check job ads daily, but I'm the one who's just like, hey, you see this? You see this? I'm trying to get you close. Get out of the thunder butthole. But yes, if we go back to the Miss Marvel thing, yes, you have supported me. I'm talking about back then. Yes. None of us supported each other very well. We were all well, just mean to each other. Well, do you remember? Let's, okay, first of all, whenever, uh, just in the vague chance that one of us got not even a girlfriend, just a friend that happened to be a girl. It's like, oh, hey, jealousy. 
Do you want to come out for beers with my friends? The Campbell would waste no try- time trying to undermine. Just be like, why are you hanging out with this lump of garbage? He is a <laughs> <laughs> predator. We don't know. Why do we just do anything to try to make him look bad? And yeah. like, he just sit there across the table just insulting you nonstop. Like, everyone ripped on me for being too hard on you. He was the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'll never forget when Aaron, our good friend Brandon's wife's like, are you guys even friends? You're so mean. Well, I always mention how I mentioned this on the podcast before, how, how yeah. when I described all you guys to Bryn, she thought you guys were a bunch of pricks. And then I met, and then she met and saw us interact. And she's like, you give it to them just as bad as they give it to you. You're no innocent victim here. You're horrible to them too. Well, I mean, I got my way to meet with you. Mike will Mike will say this to your face. So it's okay if I mention it behind his back. He's just like, there's times where he's like, I feel I've been too mean to Teddy. I need to try to be nice. And then like literally he's like, he'll say something so stupid. And two <laughs> seconds in, he's just like, he's begging for it. And so he flips out a dime and starts ripping you apart. <laughs> I hope that was a long time ago and not recently. Because uh- I don't you know. know. You're going to see a very much when I come down in a month. You're going to see a very dialed back, uh, still high strung, but <laughs> not as reckless, Teddy. So what? If we go out for an evening, you're just going to have like a beer or two. I, 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 well, yeah, maybe. If you're going to wake up with a baby early in the morning, it sucks being hung over doing that. Ugh, I remember one you, time around Christmas, I gotten drunk. And I'm in the middle of the room holding Freddy at like three in the morning. I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> Splitting headache. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's not fun parenting hungover. You know, I'm sure it'll still be difficult. But if I ever have a child, I think my poor sleep patterns and already being a morning person will lend itself to uh, to child rearing pretty well. Because I already don't sleep through the night. So, <laughs> well. Yeah, but uh, that is good. Like, you, you will wake up with the kid. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's just your instincts. You, you will do that. Yeah. Um. Also, he won't let you sleep because he'll, he'll cry. But um, I don't know. It's not a it's not a Swiss picnic. The hell's a Swiss picnic? I just heard that before. It sounds like a nice day, a Swiss picnic. Yeah. I feel like this is no Swiss picnic for me either. I, I take it a Swiss picnic just means like, I don't know, you're in the tulip fields or whatever they got there in Switzerland and you're eating chocolates on a blank. I guess you're, you're up in ski country having chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and right now someone's listening and going, this is why I hate this fucking podcast. They haven't mentioned music once. They're just talking about their friends. They're talking about how they're horrible to each other. They're waxing poetic on old long-time memories, and they haven't even gotten to the fucking point. So, Brian, let's say we get to the fucking point. All right, fine. And also, it's like, they got these in-jokes that no one knows. Like, <laughs> Teddy's full of chocolate. That clearly means something. I don't get it. Oh, we got but... a bunch more coming to this episode, too, likely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Actually, I meant to ask you because when yeah. we have done these short stacks, this is only our second short stack. Yeah. I print out the script and I read along with your narration. Yeah. Do you do that when we have our other episodes that I lead? <laughs> Not even a little bit. 
Of course not. You should be doing this. Keeps you on. You, we know where the conversation's going. That's why, especially our last episode, Biff Naked. That was like they dropped us in the middle of the ocean without a life raft, and they just went figure it out. That's what that one was. It was fun. It was fun. But I'm saying, you know, <laughs> the script is ordered. The script is decorum. Follow the script. Man, you sound like Park Hill. Like Type 45. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, All we'll right. see. Our last short stack went two hours, so yeah, we'll see no, how long the, this one goes. The the not by choice was only like ninety minutes. It was a tight ninety. Oh, you brought it down to ninety because I saw the timer when we had finished. It said two oh eight. Well, yeah, I think that's because there's a bit of preamble and postamble that I didn't add in. Okay, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's like two ninety, maybe two, okay. uh, or sorry, hour ninety, maybe hour forty max, but not not long. All I right. mean, for us, not long. <laughs> All right, we'll look here, here we go. Welcome to Canada FM, the short stack session. I'm Brian. I'm Ted. Wow, dynamite dropping. I, I couldn't think of anything funny. I was going to say some random celebrity. I was going to be like, I'm F. Murray Abraham or something like that, but nothing came to my head. I don't think that joke would have landed. No. Yeah. Anyway. You know, does the voice of Khonshu on Moon Knight? F. Murray Abraham? Yeah. I did not know that. I never actually saw Moon Knight through. Oh, I liked it. But I like yeah. them all. So I know. You're like Kevin Smith. You're like bought and sold with Marvel. Oh, Brian, like I said, when I was a young man, this is what I wanted. And now I I, I never get what uh, I actually get what I want quite often. <laughs> I'll check my privilege at the door here. I get what I want quite a bit. But this is something I really wanted. And I waited for it. I finally got the MCU. I was going to say, you escaped college with like no debt. Unlike no. me. It's like <laughs> you've had like so much like financial support. Married oh, I, I got none of that. <laughs> yes. I, I'm incredibly fortunate. Anyway. A lot of luck. All right. We got four pages to get through, so. Well, oh, I got mine fit on to two. Three and a bit. Did you do double size? You get your um, eyes examined there, Brian. You might need a. You need that larger print. I have three and a half. I got two. Whatever. Let's see. Maybe I missed some pages. So, anyway, all right. Here we go. Move over, boys to men. Jodeci, Casey, and JoJo. You do, Belviv DeVoe. Eh, Don't drag Belviv DeVoe into this. (laughs) I don't deserve this. This shim sham. Those are the first uh, R and B bands that I could think of. And anyway, we're focusing on one of Canada's answers to R&B. And of course, in Canada, the land of diversity, our premier R&B group was a bunch of honky-tonks. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. well, I think Carl Wolf is Lebanese. Is he? I think so. I'm not sure. Well, that's something. Although I think the singer, the girl, my, I forget her name. It's in here somewhere. Anastasia. Yeah. Uh, I think she probably has a little Latin flair or something because like, there's one or two songs in that second album that are have a latin thing and if if she's not latin that's some cultural appropriation right there but. the first two guys were honkies yeah anton and james are honkies and that's who i've i mean when i think of sky that's my image of sky i don't yeah, even think too. of the other stuff i think of like sky breaking up after that first album um but anyway that's we'll the get sky to... we know and love the og sky yeah. 
yeah, we're uh, we'll get to all that. So yes, Sky from Montreal, uh, as a request or maybe a recommendation from your brother Alex, friend of the yeah, show. Yeah, when we recorded, uh, uh, not by choice. He was just texting me the entire thing. And then he got on and found Sky for some reason. And he was texting me all the stuff. So I'm like, when you were like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do for our next short stack. That's when I was like, yeah, let's do Sky. Get him off my back. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Let's see. So, yes. As we mentioned before, we're doing this on uh, Sky. They have three albums and three different incarnations. Before we dive in, Ted... What memories do you have of Sky? I remember the first time I ever saw Sky. Uh, I was watching Combat Zone on Much Music. If you remember that oh, yeah. show, that's where they put the two videos and put them head to head. And, um, you know, I, whoever was hosting was like, hey, there's a new video from Sky. And like they'd never had a video before. So yeah. I was kind of perked up. I was like, oh, what's the Sky business all about? I remember it was a Sunday night. And that's important to the story, too. And it was some kind of wonderful. And I loved the song right away because it had horns. And you know me, just I'm a sucker for horns. Yeah. Um, but also, it kind of felt more like, it didn't feel like the pop of its time, um, which all just kind of sounded the same. They call it the Max Martin style, that like Britney Spears, da, 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 you know? Right. Because um, he produced all that stuff. But this felt like something out of the 80s, you know? Like, it, it, it it had a different feel to it. I really dug it. And I thought the video was super cool where they're just walking down the side of the highway and they're passing car wrecks and marching bands and cheerleaders. And it's a neat video. They 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 seem unfazed by it until the one guy picks up his bass and just starts dancing around while the other guy's just super chill. Yeah. Um, and I remember the next day I walked to school and I'm like, Hey Brian, you ever hear of this band Sky? And you're like, yes, I saw that video last night. It was awesome. <laughs> and it was one of those cool things where we were just kind of both watching a bunch of music. We had the same uh, same thoughts on it. That's that was my first memory of them. Okay, I don't have a one set memory. I just remember watching some kind of wonderful all the time. It was such an earworm, so infectious. Mm. And me, even before I became a film nerd, I respected like you were saying, like the music video. Because I, I love that one take concept. Yeah. Uh, and some of the ones that, I mean, it's written down, but when I was writing the script, these are the ones that came to mind Unfinished Sympathy by Massive Attack, The Sweater Song, Undone by Weezer, Bedwin Sound Clash, Walls Fall Down. And I, I didn't realize this at first that the Spice Girls Wannabe was all one take. I thought, yeah, they, they kind of just chased them cut, through that but, party and then they yeah. leave. Yeah. And uh, A Punk by Vampire Weekend. Against me, I was a teenage anarchist where at the time Tom Gable, now Laura Jane Grace, was being chased chased by cops. And it's a weird video because she's getting chased by cops. Everyone's kind of watching. It looks like it's in some like Jacksonville or Gainesville, sorry, like promenade. Uh, okay. Because it's like people like out with popcorn and like cotton candy and stuff. And no one's no one's doing anything as they're like whooping, laying a whooping on her. And then one guy just comes and kind of like tackles one cop and he, she gets up and runs away. And then gradually they just, there's another like fleet of cops that put her in the car. But uh, it's just very weird that no one's doing anything until the one guy does. Then everyone starts to get involved. That's the thing. It always takes one person. Like it's, it's, there's a, it's in psychology. It's like, um, it's like a bystander effect or something. Yeah. It's all it takes is like one person to actually do something before everyone else starts to have a sense of courage. Because but. you don't, you, I think what happens in that situation is you, 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 you try to listen to your moral <clears throat> compass. Yeah. And if you're a second guesser, like you and me probably are, we'd probably be the people like, 
Yeah, I was going to jump into that before, but he beat me to it. You know, we're probably that guy. <laughs> um, you know, you got to listen to that moral compass. Sometimes your moral compass takes a long time to answer. And sometimes you can second guess your moral compass. Is this the right thing to do? So when right. you see someone who affirms what you thought was the right thing to do, then you're more willing to jump in because you feel comfortable with the idea. Yeah. yeah. Although- That's it's the people. That was the people leave the world. People throw their hat over the wall. Act first. Well, thanks for, you know, I know. Yeah. But I mean, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm a follower. <laughs> and for me, sh- also, let's also mention for videos in one shot, yeah, Lucas say, with the lid off by Lucas. What? Lucas with the lid off by Lucas. <laughs> Who the fuck is Lucas? That's a great little song. Check it out. All right. He's, a, he's a rap guy from like the early 90s. They used to always play it on much music. Maybe I'll drop a little bit in right here. Yeah. Let it train. I'm too cool to have a good time, but really I'm a muted trumpet type of talk away. Hey, hey, hey. Move to the front, take it off, take it off, catch the vibes. Cause it's Lucas with the lid off. Cast- um, the video's cool too, it's one, one take. Also, do you know who's big on the one take videos is uh, OK Go? Like the uh, oh, yeah, yeah, their the whole, treadmill and they all- their whole deal is let's do something fun. Well, I mean, that's what music video, like Foo Fighters don't do. One oh, take I'm not complaining about it. I think it's cool. I love doing fun videos. They've got one with like the Rube, uh, Rube Goldberg machine. What's you that? know what a Rube Goldberg machine is. It's just like, like you remember now, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, He's yeah. got this long winded machine where you have a fan that blows on a candle that lights something oh, on yeah, fire yeah, yeah. that drops something. That's a Rube Goldberg machine. It's many tasks to accomplish something simple. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's basically like a one giant mouse trap. Like the game mousetrap is a room you're building a room goldberg machine right okay no. um but yeah so the just to reiterate the video reeled me in and i watched it over and over uh and then as i as i got like i'm like all right i get the song it's a good song and i start to watch all the like the little shenanigans going on in the mm-hmm. video so it's it's when a video really captures your attention you know it's good but the the sky story starts in 92 where anton seacott or Sakot Sakot, whatever French. We'll call him Seacott for the for sake of argument. And uh, James Renault, Renault, the French, I don't know. They we'll call him Renault for the sake of argument. <laughs> Met at uh, music production school at Music Technique. Uh, Renault was uh, influenced by a lot of top 40. Uh, actually, let me preface this. There's not a lot of info on Sky. I was able to find one interview where James actually talks. Because yeah. this is going to come into play throughout this uh, this whole story. He is very shy, chronic anxiety, and um, <clears throat> but they they got him to talk. To, and he said, "My parents didn't really have a lot of records, and the records they did were like you know old crooner records, and that wasn't really his jam." So he was really influenced by the top forty, and uh, grew into like a lot of the pop stuff. Whereas Anton's family was uh, much more musical. He was. Uh, where is it? Uh, Sly and the Family Stone, Parliament Funkadelic, but also American folk singers like James Taylor. You know, Everybody. I hear so much Sly and Parliament in that first album. I yeah. hear no James Taylor anywhere in their catalog. I mean, the, <laughs> the thing is, is I mean, you might it might not sound like a James Taylor, but maybe like you're trying to implement one of his like writing tactics in your okay. song or something. So it doesn't it's not always a sign of a good band. Someone who doesn't just like rip off who they're influenced by. If you can kind of layer it in there like a tiramisu, right? You got to got to mix it in. 
Yeah. Then uh, you know you're a good band. But anyway, they they bonded over like that '70s pop, also stuff like Steely Dan. That's, that's cool. when they they uh, started collaborating for school assignments, and they quickly took that outside of school. And the name Sky comes from James was just one day walking to, uh, down the street, and he saw Sky in a really cool like street stencil. He's just like, let's go with it. And uh, Anton didn't give a shit, so there it is. Sky was born. By According to Wikipedia, there's also an Australian band in the late 70s called Sky. Oh, really? Yeah. It's it's well, a very it's, it's it's a common name. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I couldn't find anything about any sort of uh legal disputes or anything cuz you know you get those things like Blink 182 I think had to add the 182 because there was another yeah. band called Blink so just to avoid legal action they had to alter their name. But uh, by 95, they founded their own label, Fat Royale, and put out an EP and made their own music video, which uh, got rotation on Music Plus, which is the uh, provincial substitute for much music. Only for, yeah. I think it's purely, for, I don't know if it's purely French or if it's yeah, just you know, you get certain Quebec towns in artists. Ontario, you know, Cap is casing and uh, yeah. <laughs> Sturgeon Falls. I think Timmins also has a French population. Where? Timmins. I think they have a... Yeah, they do. The, the yeah, Northeastern. And yeah, then you go down I... and you get like Pembroke and Cornwall. Yeah. When I walked big into French... the Timmins... Ottawa's got a big French population. Well, yeah, it's right over the border. It's right <laughs> yeah. over the you border. know where else has a huge one that you wouldn't expect is Winnipeg. Really? There's one like neighborhood that you go into in Winnipeg and you swear that you've like walked through a portal. Because it's very sudden, and all of the street signs, all of the signs, everyone there, it's all French. And it's a small little block, and then you're out of it. It's weird. Just a little Quebec? little Quebec in the middle of Winnipeg. Um, But I don't know about you, but I feel like the Quebec government does more to nurture local talent, or at least in like provincial talent, than like... Because we have like video fat grants, but that's like federal, so anyone can get that. But I don't mm. know what Ontario does for like Ontario artists or something. You know what I mean? For the arts? Yeah. The, the, like, they haven't done anything <laughs> for the arts for a long time. I know. Put it this way I don't, I, we don't like talking politics yeah. on this show. But if you look at the, when Doug Ford was on Toronto City Council, uh, the, the first thing, the first stuff you wanted to cut was the arts. Yeah, and even like and that's, that's uh, a fact. That's not me getting political. No, I know. I was gonna say yeah. even uh, like our well, sorry, not our friend. My friend Dan is a conservative, and even he said when we graduated film school, Harper axed the uh, a lot of the art stuff, which made it much more of a pain in the ass for us to get film jobs. So even mm -hmm. right there, because that was like in the late two thousands when we graduated. So just conservatives, you know. It's just like uh, it's an ongoing joke at schools. Like whenever there's a budget cut at school, first thing to go, music and art. Yeah. Always the case. Yeah. But I don't know. I just feel like Quebec does more to like really give themselves a, a leg up because they recognize. Well, it's it's also it's, it's basically to, to, to hone French Canadians. Yeah. That's how you're going to do it. You have to do it in Quebec. So, you know, even though there's plenty of French speaking, you know, neighborhoods and towns and cities, yeah. Uh, across the country, you know, Quebec is the epicenter of it, and you know, it's it's well, kind even, of like their their duty is our our French ambassadors. Well, even like look at uh, not even just talking on like the musical scale, like look at uh, one of the biggest directors in the world right now uh, is Denis Villeneuve. 
and he got his start making uh french canadian films like he did the one about the polytechnique massacre yeah uh he did i think it's called like the savage or lay savages which was uh actually i think it got nominated for like a foreign oscar okay like, for a foreign but he yeah and then he went into the hollywood system and he did dune and he did the blade runners uh remake and he did that other great one with hugh jackman what was that called prisoners uh, prisoners yeah yeah prisoners a good movie yeah, and there's there's one other one I'm missing, but oh, the one with wacky, the one with Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, with the big spider. I, yeah, and I think he also yeah. did Sicario, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's his, but I could be wrong. Okay. But anyway, so he he got nurtured by the, the the French Arts Council and got to make films, and now he's huge. So there you go. Anyways, their EP and demos. Anyway, found their way on the desk of Bonnie Fedro who worked as a talent scout for EMI Music Canada, uh, who was an early champion of theirs. And Bonnie said, after multiple demos, just flooded her desk. She's like, finally, I'll just pop one in and uh, pull one out of the pile and listen to it. And she was instantly struck by the song America. Really? Uh, a deceptively optimistic hook laid over lyrics of Broken Dreams, co-written by Mr. Renault. And it's from someplace they call America. Wasting little time, uh, she herded a few colleagues uh, and set off to or from Toronto to Montreal to watch uh, Sky perform live. And within like not long after, they recorded a uh, a record deal. Deal. Oh wow! Um, and their first album, Pieces of Paradise, was released in 1999, Feb 2nd, and uh, sorry. In Canada and in June 29th, 99 in the States. Oh, I uh, didn't realize it got an American release. Yeah. yeah. They're really uh, full gas for this one. Uh, to produce it was Peter Muckran, <laughs> who produced early R. Kelly releases that went uh, multi platinum. Uh, and with uh, and Muckran also did production and mixed for a variety of pop, uh, prominent pop artists like Aaliyah, Sean Diddy Combs, Janet Jackson, Christina Aguilera. Tony Braxton, Quincy Jones, Lisa Stansfield, Mary J. Blige. What does Lisa Stansfield sing? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Why'd you include her then? When I saw the list of credits, I just did a, a big copy-paste on it. <laughs> you know, I don't nitpick your little scripts. So just that one, Vod. Get bent. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Prince and Michael Jackson. I almost made it through the whole list before you had to interrupt me. Um, I've been pretty good about not interrupting you so far. The other producer, uh, it's a duo known as the Euro Syndicate, made up of Frank Berman and Jochen, Jochen Daniel. What uh, No, there's there's no Q in there. J-O-C-H-E-N. Joachim. You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> Frank Berman is part of the Berman Brothers, who won a Grammy Award for Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men, and have, has, have also produced for Hanson and Sophie B. Hawkins, not to be confused with... Uh, Susan B. Anthony? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it was Sadie Hawkins, though. Yeah. On Community. Because yeah. the Sadie Hawkins dance is when right. you the girls ask the guys. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um... And uh, their music has been featured in commercial in tons of commercials and has been on soundtracks for Miss Congeniality, The Parent Trap, House, and The Sopranos. 
Oh, another thing, though, the fact that they call them the Euro Syndicate, this album, in parts, feels very European. Yeah. So that doesn't shock me that um, a producing team called the Euro Syndicate was behind this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, they split up production pretty evenly, because if you look at the credits, it's basically split like six and six, but uh, I think there's 12 songs on here, so it's pretty Hold on, even. I can tell you right now, there is 12 songs. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it was like a dead split. So it'd be interesting to see, because uh, it does say on the Wikipedia page who produced what. If we went back and actually like went through with a fine tooth comb, see like which one sounds like a little more European or what, you know what I mean? To yep. see who has what influence, but we don't have that kind of time. We are busy men. We are in demand. We got shit to do. I got three more pages. <laughs> um, it reached number six on the Canadian album charts. Four singles. Uh, All I Want, which got to 31 on the Canadian charts, and four on the AC, which I assume is adult contemporary charts. Yeah. Uh, All I want. Push, which got to 11 on both charts. Why I'm asking, why you always push me away? Cause I try to do all the best I can, yeah. So I'm asking, why you always push me away? The earworm, some kind of wonderful. which got to number four and 16 on the adult contempo charts. But the big hits, which actually surprised me because I love Some Kind of Wonderful more, mm. but uh, the huge Runaways hit was Love Song. Yeah. It got, it got to number one on both Canadian and adult contemporary charts and 38 on the U.S. pop charts. Wow! So they had a top 40 hit. They broke the glass ceiling. Home run. Holy cow. So we shouldn't be talking about them based on our show. All right. right. Hold on. on. Episode's over. Set my notes on fire and we'll call it a day. No, I mean, uh, so, uh, yeah, 38 on the pop charts. This ain't no bullshit heat seekers that Ted has prattled on about nonstop. But it's funny because on the Wikipedia page, and like, yes, I used Wikipedia a lot as a jumping off point for other sources. But on their page, there's a quote there. uh, And uh, it said, mediocre success. They achieved mediocre success. And I'm like, what are you, fucking mental? Okay, like, okay, number 38 on the U.S. charts. Would be considered in the grand scheme of things a minor hit. Yeah. So I get where they're saying that from an American point of view. Sure. From a Canadian point of view, that's a big deal. But also, I mean, you got to remember sometimes it's like the genre of music too, right? Like, uh, like Dropkick Murphys cracked like the top two hundred with. Um, one of the songs off shit. 
It's the album that has Blackout on it. What's the, oh, the big the Blackout? Big no, Blackout. no. Yeah, it's called Blackout. But like, yeah. I'm trying to think of the song. It's like, the ones that you love. Oh, yeah. The, the ones, ones that you love. The ones that you try to find. <laughs> yeah, that, to Walk find Away. You. That's what it's called. Walk That's Away it, yeah. was in the top 200. Oh, and for play like, a little you know, of that, Brian. <laughs> great great fucking song um but yeah for like a you know a a punk band and like you know adding in the irish punk their genre is a little more niche so for them to pop into the mainstream like i mean they've they've gotten more mainstream sense with like shipping up to boston being in the departed but i mean so it all depends right and even like these guys it was hot at the time but like the r&b stuff is still its own separate entity right they have their own r&b charts because it's not always in the straight pop and mainstream so yeah. any way you slice it, this is a big fucking deal. Um, the U.S. version was released, like I said, June 29th, 99 by Arista Records with an alternate blue cover. Like, I think we know the one where there's just the two of them. Sitting yeah, there, the red uh, cover. Facing, yeah, the red cover. There's it almost looks like a movie poster. Like one's yeah, looking off it. to the side and the other one's kind of like there. It's, it's Yeah, it, that it, red like, cover for me is always going to be Sky. This oh, blue yeah. cover looked Hundred. like a crappy... Hundo I don't know, like a layout in one of those free magazines you get from the beer store. Well, that, or it almost looks like a, a Denzel Washington movie poster circa like 2006, where it's like him and like he's facing off with another guy. You know what I mean? Because that's like Denzel's move. He's always looking off to the left. Look at Eddie. You just the- need, <laughs> just need, where's his name? Antoine Seacott going, I'm not doing a few. <laughs> That'll be a Denzel movie. <laughs> I'm not producing this record for you. Uh, let's see so the u.s version's a little bit different uh they remove tracks uh it says removes tracks powder and last time i saw you from the original version it adds dreaming and strange and then a second canadian version was issued later in 99 which include all 12 tracks from both versions including with strange and dreaming um as far as added as the final two songs yes and the spotify version is that version that's literally what i was about to say thanks for taking the words out of my mouth did you write it on here yes oh yeah you You don't need to read the script it's right there a little slow Um, so their original deal was with emi but then i guess they signed like a full overall deal in the u.s with Arista, which put it out, and then uh, this also extended their release to the United Kingdom and Japan. Uh, the label released reworked version, or a reworked version of Piece of Paradise. Uh, oh shit! I already read all this. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, it happens to me all the time. Um, let's see. Uh, bu- 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 oh yeah, July nineteen ninety nine. Cut go. all that. Cut all that crap out. Sky open for Britney Spears on the Canadian leg of her Baby One More Time tour. That's a good now, gig. Yeah, if that doesn't, uh, if that doesn't freaking blow your audience up, I don't know what will. But I mean, you know, her mark audience is either teen girls or really horned up dudes. I feel like they'd be like, get those guys off the stage. I want to see Britney. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I you, you make a good point. 
like you, you got to think of an artist of the time. And I think you summed it up better at the beginning, at, really good at the beginning of this uh, script that like a boys to men would be a much better fit for Sky yeah. to open for, you know, they're pretty mellow. Yeah. And uh, you know, Britney Spears. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be great exposure. Who, who wouldn't say no to that? But um, as far as, eh, you know, but it is, you know, everyone's going to know who they are because your music was played all over the radio. So I'm sure people would enjoy it. So. Um, I mean, yeah, if they wanted to add someone else that might have been more her speed, I don't know, Sugar Jones. Sugar Jones? Jones. How about how about my favorite, the boys in VIP? <laughs> Play it, Brian. <laughs> it's just my love. She's got someone else in mind. It's just my love. It happens all the There we go. Are you kidding? As you mentioned in uh, one of the episodes where VIP is a bunch of Ugmos, they probably, all the girls would be like, ah, it's like my dad's up there. It's like you've never watched a sitcom. <laughs> Didn't you ever see that episode of Hanging with Mr. Cooper where he promised that boys to men were going to uh, perform at the school dance? And this isn't some Will Smith magic where they actually show up. They don't show up. Okay? <laughs> so he gets... Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother and that little kid that's always hanging out with him and some other guy. And um, he, they just perform behind the screen and like get it all in shadows. And they're like, this looks ridiculous. How are we going to be boys to men? He goes, you guys are boys. I'm the man. <laughs> and so they like just kind of dance in shadow and they pulled it off. They tricked everybody. That's hilarious. It's like yeah. uh, in the the, she, the the show The Goldbergs, the the yeah. one brothers tr- told everyone he can get the cast to break in to do this like dancing fundraiser. <laughs> Did not work. <laughs> so he's trying to like break dance on his own. He's horrible. Everyone got very mad. In in real, you know, sometimes sitcoms teach kids bad lessons when they work out at the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're just going to lie. Oh, Green Day is going to perform at the school dance. Yeah. Uh, they feel like if they just say that, they're actually going to show up and bail them out at the end. You know, yeah. like it doesn't work that way. Usually you're very disappointed. You've got to come up with some wacky scheme to save your ass. Well, not only that, it's like if if it, if they don't deliver, everyone's just like, hey, hey, hey. he tried. He, he, he failed, but he tried. And everyone just quickly forgives. If you and I, you know, told, went around grade seven or eight saying, I don't know what was a big rock band at the time. Uh, Bare Naked Ladies. Sure. Yeah. Bare Naked Ladies is going to pop in Ancaster Senior and play one week on their way to whatever, next their next gig. People would not let us live that down for months. Oh, yeah. But then again, what kind of school would be dumb enough to trust two 13 year olds <laughs> with booking a band for, the, for, for, for prom and saying it's some massive Juno Award winning band? I don't know. Did you ever watch California Dreams? Oh, hang on. One sec. Hey, you're mentioning about the California Dreams. Yeah. Did you ever watch California Dreams? I mean, they were organized. They had their own manager, that weirdo, that creep sly. Yeah, but they were played by like 26-year-olds. <laughs> but they were playing high schoolers. I know, but... <sighs> there, there, there's a bit. <laughs> They're high schoolers, but they look mature. There you they go. Were, they were sort of dudes with attitude. Attitudes, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that concludes phase one. Just like the MCU, this is phase one of the Sky Universe. Ted, what'd you think of Pieces of Paradise? I thought Piece of Paradise. Is it Pieces or Peace? Sorry, piece of Paradise. Piece of Paradise. 
I uh, it wasn't a piece. <laughs> Tell you that I found it very enjoyable, and uh, just like I did with Not by Choice, I took uh, note by note, track by track notes. Uh, just but these ones are a lot more in depth. So let's start with Push. Right. I thought Push when I first heard it back in the day, I thought it was a bore, and I didn't like it at all. As an adult. I liked it quite a bit more. I actually yeah. quite like Push. I love the jazzy, funky feel of it. I was much more upbeat than I remember, so that's a winner. Uh, you and I, I said it was a smush track, but it felt a little low rent with all that synth. It is a smush track. This oh, is why they would have been better with Boys to Men than Britney Spears. There's a couple of smush tracks on here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There's it sounded like something you'd hear, like, yeah, you ever, I remember you bought a bunch of those MC Mario Chris Shepard CDs when you were younger. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, they advertise it by saying, oh, it's got Notorious B.I.G. and P. Diddy and Mace. And then you get it, and yeah, they're on there, but there's also 15 artists you've never heard of. It sounds like one of those artists you never heard of on one of those CDs. Fair enough. The Euro thing, right? So I bet you that was those Euro guys things. <laughs> um Shave, I really like Shave. I like the addition of the female voice and uh, the slick guitar solo in there. Felt very late 80s. Of course, some kind of wonderful, enough said. Excellent song. Uh, in fact, my brother always goes off. He calls some kind of wonderful, like the second greatest pop song of the 90s. Okay? And what? You know what he always says is the best pop song of the 90s? Uh, Mbop? No, not Mbop. You got to think... Uh, you got to think uh, maybe across the pond. Uh, let's see. So England. Uh, uh -huh. not, not the Verve? Oasis? Ah, uh, that's rock. That's a rock song. Uh, I mean, sometimes they call it pop. Like, they, you know, uh, England, they... England had top of the pops, but it's some, they'd have rock bands. Okay, but the uh, Verbs are, the Verb is, was a rock band. Uh, let's see. Pop. Robbie Williams? Not quite, No. All right, I give up. Just tell me. He goes always. Best pop song of the 90s, he always goes with Boy Zone and Picture of You from the Bean soundtrack. That is a great song. Yeah. And pairs well with some kind of wonderful. It's also got the big horns. Yeah. How we get a little taste of that? <laughs> You'll be there when my need is Um, all right, so number five, I Will Survive. I called it Piano Smush. Eh, I wasn't feeling that one. Um, America. Now, America is the song that got them recognized, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's an issue I found on this album that went through track by track, okay? It's the lyrics. Well, you can definitely tell that French was their first language. Because some of the lyrics, if they were written by Seacott and... Um, Renald. Renald. They don't... It's kind of like you're playing like Captain America and the Avengers and the first villain you see goes, don't disturb us. And the Captain America goes, why should it go so well? <laughs> see, it makes no sense in English. It's not a threat. What the hell does that mean? What's the, what's the other one? It's, you cannot escape. You will be the ones escaping. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> right? Because it's, it's, it's a poor transi translation. 
And I feel like America is a prime example of that with the lyrics. Now, I thought it was a, a nice song, but this guy that they're singing about, and it was weird hearing this character piece in the middle of all these smush tunes. He's not yeah. from Chicago. He's not from New York. He's not from L.A. He's not from fucking Cleveland. He's from someplace called America. <laughs> That's weird. I mean, weird. I think Trans- they're... Transition weird. I think they're trying to just make it universal. Like, that could be me in, in Cincinnati, or that could be me in New York. You know what I mean? It could be me anywhere. But it's, it's about an old man. And he's from there. He lives in, like, Montreal now, this old man. I will say this. Uh, there's been times where people have asked... Renald about like what certain songs mean and this and that like uh yeah like he he always likes to like to leave it up for interpretation like um oh i've got some more interpretations coming up like in love song well let's get into that all right all right do you want to finish what you were going to say because that's number eight and of course i love love song i think it's a great song but they're weird lyrics so what were you going to say about love song so the the opening line your brothers think i'm crazy yeah. So pe- people might think that that's a girl he's dating who's like just has a bunch of siblings. Like you're dating a real knob job. You know what I mean? When yeah. In, re- in reality, that's actually about his like his mom, like his uncles. They all thought he was a nut, and so he was always out there trying to get attention. And this, I think, this is might have been where the anxiety started because he'd be out there saying stuff, talking, and they all like they're like, "Your kid is just seven shades of crazy." You know what I mean? And, oh uh, wow. So I, th- I think uh, just because he was, I don't know, maybe a little esoteric or just not to the what they expected. So he's just an awkward kid, I think. And so they that, that might have been where some of the social anxiety started with her rejection God. from his family. That makes that that story makes those lyrics even more personal and even like more sad now that I think about it. Because like I, the way I. OK, so I want to find out what Love Song was about because I always thought the lyrics were weird since the first time I heard it. Yeah. And the way I, I just found one interpretation of it that somebody wrote about. And what they kind of said was the song was about being it was like a relationship that had just ended. Um and she's trying to, you know, cope with it by going out and partying, and this guy's just sad by himself. So that's why she's like, uh, what's it called? It's like when you're finding your way home, I'll be watching me a TV show. That line, which I'm like, that's a weird lyric. But yeah. she's out partying all night. She's finally going home. And he's just been inside all night watching TV. You know, um, what's it called? Uh, today, you know, like today I'm feeling kind of lazy. I think I'll sleep it off. Um, all this stuff about him just being introverted yeah. is peppered throughout that song. And when you know the full story about James Arnold, man, it makes it really, really a, a sad song. Not so much a love right. song, you know? So... But that's the thing yeah. about that's the thing about music is uh, anyone could interpret it anyway. And I, I've mentioned this to you before, but I'll mention it one more time. Where Brian Fallon tried to get Cheryl uh, Crow, the he tried to interpret one of her songs, and she's yeah. like, "Well, it's it's up, it's whatever you want it to be." And, it, and so Brian Fallon pauses. He's like, "Well, if it makes you happy, Cheryl Crow." That's what he told. That's what he said. <laughs> And she's probably like, only the 10th time I've heard that one today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Continue with your dissection. Right. Well, should, I say, over, we... should I say your sky section? Oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, we jumped over Powder, uh, which had a guest MC. I called it a hip-hop smoosh. Um, <laughs> I don't know who this, girl's, who this girl was, but she, she offers a great line in it. And I thought it kind of saved the song from blending into the background. 
So thumbs up for that one. Um, all I want. Yeah, I do remember the single. It's a product of its time. Did nothing for me. Um, last time I saw you, I said this could be the great lost color me bad song. Um, <laughs> I actually kind of liked it. It was funky. Uh, now strange, I think is outside of some kind of wonderful and uh, love song. This is probably my favorite song of the album. Me too. It's a bump and grinder. James Renald, I figured out what he's trying to do here. He's just doing a Michael Jackson impression throughout this whole album. Yeah. Um, he sounds just like Michael Jackson on this track. Uh, yeah, love that tune. And then uh, it wraps up with Dr- Dreamin'. I thought I was worried they were going to close on another ballad, but I liked it. It was upbeat. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a good album. The songs that work are a lot of fun. Even the stuff that doesn't work is still fun. Like, it's still cheesy. You know what I mean? It's still a good time. It's a thumbs up. Yeah, I, I I would say for a first album, it was a hell of a first swing. Like it, it's, yeah. especially when you factor how some of those songs did, it's just uh, uh, it's you know you you put an album like that out that your first try not only penetrates your Canadian market but even has some success down south. What do you do for an encore? Am I right? Oh yeah, Where- got me something big. Oh yeah, not oh, so yeah. much. Uh, <laughs> after all their promotions and live uh, live commitments were done, they did a performance at the 1999 Music uh, Much Music Video Awards. Ronald announced in 2000 he was leaving the group due to camera shyness. He was not present at the Juno Awards in which Sky won Best New Group, which created a very awkward moment for Anton as he was the sole acceptor of the war- the award. Yeah. I mean, like, and um, there's some stuff that I'll get, I can get to later, but like the, the gist of it is like uh, Anton said the writing was on the wall. Like this was, he said sky was not built to last um, because. So he, the, he knew about Ronald's issues going in. Oh yeah. That's why like that, that video that I watched the one interview I found, he did 90% of or 98% of the talking, like the little bits of talking that James did. It was just little chunks, and it's uh, even that was like broken sentences, and it wasn't because of his accent. He speaks a fine English. Oh, he, d- it, he has no hint of a French accent. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's literally just he just reserved and just didn't want to say much. Whereas uh, Anton is just this social butterfly. Oh, he was uh, outgoing. Yeah, and um, you know, actually, I, I think I remember seeing that uh, interview when I was a young kid. Um, because I remember one of the things they asked James about was the lyrics to some kind of wonderful, because we're getting back to the lyrics because people always misheard that. They thought he said like, she makes a mean steak, eggs and apple or something like that. And he had to say like the lyrics are uh, something about an eyeful, like, like the apple of my eye and she's an eyeful. Right. Um, and it's, it goes back to Shakespearean and he was like all kind of deep, but I think he was just kind of like, oh shit, they don't get it. <laughs> Well, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's just like, you know, when, when you hit that pop status like that and, you know, you get some layman numb nuts, like, I don't know, not to take any swipes at anyone, but like someone like Rachel Perry or Bradford Howe, they don't strike me as the sharpest knife in the drawer. Actually, so, Rachel Perry did incredibly well for herself. She got a job with VH1 and like oh, really? uh, became like a full-blown musical music journalist. Oh, yeah. She did oh, fine. Wow. 
Yeah, um, good Rachel Perry very well. Bradford Howe, last time we saw him, though, he was on like the Christian television station as like host, <laughs> so I, I don't think he did as well. Um, okay, whatever. But back then, she, she, I don't know, she was a little ditzy. And, but anyway, she didn't strike me as the type to like really dissect or ask these, you know, cutting questions. That's something like Strombo would try to do, where it's like they, they would just get the fluff. And so when you get someone who's like a true artiste, like James was, like he, put everything he had into it. He didn't like slap dick around. He's just like, you know, he actually put his legit soul into it. Uh, and for people that, you know, just over their heads. Yeah. It's got to be getting back, hard- getting back to, to Rachel Perry. Yeah. You know, she actually did a cover uh, shoot for, it was either FHM or Maxim. Yeah. I think I remember hearing about that. I, I think it was FHM. I bought it. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. I, she was a hottie. I will yeah. say that. Although didn't wasn't there a time where she like flashed the camera? I remember you telling me about there's something about Marilyn Manson, and uh, like he was he had like sounds familiar. Yeah, I think it was around the time of like the Antichrist Superstar album, and because uh, you know in the video for been... Dope Show, he yeah those had... Mechanical Animals or, was it okay? Yeah, this sounds very familiar. But like she got all ranty and she's like, this, those aren't tits, like these are tits or something. Like then she just like flashed the camera in like a yeah. moment of spastic energy. But they, they blurred it out, obviously. They probably knew what she was doing. I bet you she she probably had an undershirt on. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I do remember yeah. this though, recovered memory. Uh, so yeah, Ronaldo had said, you know, fans would be, you know, pounding at their bus just to say hello, just to show adulation and like support. And James wanted none of it. He's just like, he, it made him very uncomfortable. It, it made him actually resert, uh, revert further into his shell. So he like, the, yeah, the, that incarnation of sky was not built to last, but it's a shame too, because yeah. After going through the discography, it was it's the best incarnation of Sky. It yeah. is the incarnation of Sky, and everything afterwards is just follow up. But yeah, yeah, it's like uh, it's like you know, I went and saw Steely Dan yesterday when like half the original band is either dead or just not in the band. It's like no, you just saw some bastardized version of, of Steely Dan that plays Steely Dan covers. You know what I mean? But it, it happens all the time. Like even when somebody is supremely talented at something. Yeah, they're just something. Either it's, they're not comfortable. They're, like, um, I, I'm not gonna get too into details, but I worked with a guy who was an outstanding announcer. His show was interesting. He like he, he was great on the mic, right? He didn't want to be an announcer. He wanted to do production. Huh. So the second he got a job, he got the hell out of there. The second he got a job, he just do production full time. And I'm like, but you're not on the air. Didn't care. It's not what he wanted wow. to do. And I'm like, but you're so good. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't matter if you're good at something, you know, you might feel like you're better at something else. And, and I, you know, Renault would find a good place behind the scenes, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Uh, so after, after uh, James quit, uh, a year later, he, uh, uh, Anton replaced him with Anastasia Friedman from Montreal. Uh uh, when when he recruited her, they were originally going to uh, rename themselves Nice. Don't know where the hell that came from. Why? But they, sure, they st- like Sky. It's a short name. Yeah, but either way, they retained Sky. 
Um, and they continued on. The pair were. He should have. He should have renamed the band. You think so? Uh you know what? Unless your name is Brian Johnson, um, whenever you change singers, even if it's the same lineup, you should have a different name. Like that is the only case I can remember where fans did not reject it. Like Van uh, Sammy Hagar has a ton of haters. Sublime with Rome. Oh, yeah. as, as much fun as Rome has, people hate that Rome guy because he's not Brad Noel. Like you gotta, you gotta change the name when you change singers. Although let's be honest, now uh, it's it's one of the founding members of Sublime and Rome and the <laughs> dude from Perfect Circle. So yeah, although that's Steve Perkins, a hell of a drummer. It was Steve Perkins. I think it's somebody else now. But and then uh, what's his face? Uh, who's the guy that replaced Freddie Mercury? I know Terrence Trent Darby replaced him for a while. Uh, no, but then they yeah. No, I think of the song. Uh, I'm just trying to do the right thing. It's the it's the song that ends Beverly Hills Cop. Oh sure, I but wishing it. well is his biggest hit. That's a good tune too. Um, but no, the what's his face? Brian something or um, no Adam Lambert. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, Adam Lambert. I forgot yeah. about that. On paper, he's a good fit. Yeah, but it's also it's like. They, I don't know. Should they still keep the Queen name? Because Queen was like, synonymous with Freddie. But that's a, that like, wasn't as bad. Because they retained Adam Lambert for live shows. Right. They didn't record a new Queen record. It's like, actually, people forget that Chester Bennington uh, replaced Scott Weiland when he died in Stone Temple Pilots. Really? And then he died like... I wasn't maybe he was di- died, right? He left the band. And Chester Bennington... He died later. I'm not sure if he died before or after Chester, but um, I can't remember. Well, leaving the but, band is one thing. That death is something yeah. else. It's but he just like, did it for oh, live shows. I don't think he ever recorded any music with them. Okay. Uh, so they released their first uh, single, Superhero, in August 2000. I didn't expect you to be so under control. You are the full album uh traveling infinity was released later in november uh the single you was also released uh reached number one in canada a remix for that video was, was made due to high popularity and demand for it but uh nothing else about like charting or how album sales nothing really uh, about any 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 uh any uh, north or south of the border traction they got went up in flame so nothing down there well let's talk let, we'll talk about traveling infinity here because again i took notes and i'm not gonna lie I, I, when they first came out i remember superhero i don't remember you although i do really like you you was yeah. a good song <laughs> um i'm glad it made it to number one it's a good tune yeah um i i wasn't feeling anastasia's voice me either. Uh, yeah. Well, no, that was before I listened to the album. Um, but back then, I was not feeling her voice. Oh, okay. And I think she did some other like dance music too, electro music, because I remember hearing her name quite a bit. Hmm. Um, just Anastasia. Um, but yeah, I wasn't feeling it. And I was like, oh, these. I, I basically wrote it off that without um, Renald, they were finished. <clears throat> and so I wasn't terribly excited to listen to this album. But I'm glad I did. Yeah. Again. 
took the track by Trap Notes. City Lies, I called it standard pop fare for the time. Not terrible, not spectacular. <laughs> Remember, didn't realize they both sang on this disc. I totally forgot that uh, old uh, Seacott sang on here. What's his first yeah. name again? Keep forgetting. Anton. Anton. I forgot Anton sang on here. I said it was pretty light, kind of a nothing song, and you could really hear his French accent when he sings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, burning. I'm not sure I like Anastasia's voice. I feel like she wants to belt it out like Celine Dion, but something's holding her back. I like Burning a lot, actually. But like, really? I, I didn't, I didn't like it as much on some of the other songs. But I actually liked it in Burning. Oh yes, here are my notes. The chorus is pretty good here. Best song so far. Still just okay. So I thought it was just okay. It won yeah. me over by the end. I didn't like it at first, but it won me over by the end. Right. The first song I legitimately liked on this album, though, Tokyo. Did you write in your notes? Hey, Len called. They want their song back. Len's Uncle Tokyo? No, it just it has such a Len vibe. Well, they do share the mic as cheery. I never even thought of Len when I listened to it. That was the first thing that popped into my head. I thought of that old Robin Williams gag when he takes off his shoe and picks it up and goes, Hello, Tokyo. <laughs> How do you think that's Robin Williams? It was I said Dana Carvey on the Ellen DeGeneres show once, and she was like giving him just a list like of cards with him. Celebrities on the <laughs> spot, and so when he picked up Robin Williams, that's what he did. He took off his shoe and went, "Hello, Tokyo." And I feel like it was a phone. Oh. <laughs> All right, then we had you. Loved you. Loved the live horns and the chorus. Uh, funky remind me of seventies disco tunes. So that was a good one. I uh, didn't like traveling infinity. Uh, I loved always big Latin vibes, and I thought that that was an example of where Anastasia's voice really worked. Unless she sounded really great on that track, I, I uh, see. I was the opposite. I, I really, I did not like the Latin thing. I, I just felt I out of place because it. it felt like she was almost trying to sound like so, like she was trying too hard to like sound Latin or something or like fit into this genre when it wasn't really meant for her. Hmm. I don't know. Okay, but, her last name is Friedman, which sounds Jewish. So I don't think she's actually Latin, but Anastasia sounds Latin. I don't know. I'm not going to do her genealogy. That's like they put together a Latin song. Latin was big at the time, and I agree to disagree. All right. The Guardian, no interest, I wrote. Uh, smooth, <laughs> funky. Really like this one. Nice big chorus. Another good performance from Anastasia. I just think it's smooth. I didn't mind it the first time, but then that, like, like butter. It's like they were trying to rip off Tribe. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't think of them along the side tribe called Quest. I really wouldn't. No, but it's just like they were ripping off like those lyrics because they do have a one of their songs where it says "Smooth like butter, baby." Okay, okay. But uh, King's Cross, I thought it was just okay the first time I heard it, but then it popped up on my Spotify today. I listened to it again. I was like, ah, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. And then superhero, big disco vibes. I yep. don't like the spoken words parts of the song. Uh, there's better songs on this disc. So yeah. I, this album was a lot better than I prepared for. Uh, it was fun. If you're a Sky Completist, go for it. Uh, if you just were happy with Peace of Paradise, stick with it. I could care less. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I think I would have liked this a lot more if they were nice and not Sky. I mean, yeah, because it sets up uh, different expectations. Because it'd be one thing if like, oh, Sky's got a new album. And then yeah. it's like, who's this girl? Versus like, oh, one of the dudes from Sky is like a second kind of follow-up project or a band or whatever, but it's not yeah. Sky. So it might be cool. You know, let's check it out. Of course, yeah. it's it, That's the problem. Sometimes when people try to replace members that are integral, they set themselves up for failure. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
Yeah, but I, we're pretty much on the same page. A bit of bit of hit and miss. It, on yeah, all, but it's... you gotta remember, I went into this thinking I wasn't gonna enjoy it at all, and I found myself enjoying it a lot more than I, yeah. I thought I would. Oh, me too. And like I said, I want to enjoy things, and I did enjoy it. So yeah, yeah. Um, so phase three. I, I don't know why she left. Diff- creative differences. You wanted to move on. Maybe people are like, you're not well liked in Sky. Get out. I don't know. Couldn't find that. But uh, Anastasia replaced by uh, Lebanese. Canadian. I told you it was Lebanese. You probably read this in my notes and then fed it back to me like you discovered it. Anyway, Carl Wolf. <laughs> uh, the group went through a label change. Uh, they went with Sextet Records. And released the third album, Picture Perfect, which spawned the uh, single Dedication. No information about tra- uh, if it tracked. I don't think it did. Uh, it's not even available on Spotify. It's not even available on YouTube. Like, we might be able to, like, find it somewhere in the deep realms of the internet. But that's to show how, I mean, how the hell are you going to penetrate the American market when you can't even <laughs> get it in Canada? So, uh, not much there. Shortly after Sky split up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. we, we got to do something. What? When there's an album that's not oh. available on Spotify, <laughs> especially if it's not available on YouTube, there's something that we got to make a staple of the show. The wagging finger of shame. The waving finger of shame. <laughs> you know, I went to look for that clip of Roger Ebert doing that on YouTube today and I couldn't find it. Yeah, me either. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to do it. Just put an effect on our voice, like make it all echoey like you do. <laughs> Uh, so shortly I believe after, it's waving finger, not wagging finger. Whatever the fuck. Because this is waving, not wagging. He's been dead for like 10 years. The show hasn't been on the air for like another t- like 15. Forgive me if the far reaches of my memory don't fully pull it out crystal clear. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what, is, what is this? I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know what you're doing with that bit. You animal. Cut the tongue. It's just for us. <laughs> oh, we're horrible people. Oh, all right. Um, like the one hour mark. Mark, watch out for that. Yeah. <laughs> Back on track. Uh, <laughs> so after after Sky, so Carl Wolf continues to record uh, his. He first, oh man, I can't even type. His first single, Butterflies, in late 2005, followed up with three independent solo albums, Face Behind, Bite the Bullet, and Nightlife, uh, and big, and a big number one, uh, number of singles, most successful, which was Africa. And you know uh, what? It is a straight up cover of Toto. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, he funks it up a little, but it's a good cover. I liked it. And we used to play it on, uh, 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 when I worked in Caledonia at that station, we played actually and uh, and Magic up here in Thunder Bay, so we played in a couple places. I assume this predates the uh, like when Weezer did that whole thing. That whole yes, bit. it does. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, we we popularized that song before Weezer did. Well, Anastasia Fried. Yeah, I was going to say Toto did it yeah. first, but Anastasia Friedman uh, has pretty much left the music industry. Works as a yoga instructor in Montreal. And if we ever go on a trip to Montreal, we should see if we can take one of her classes. What are you going to do? Perv and just be like, hey, your songs are garbage, but you got a hot box. I talked to her at the end. Like, yeah, how about that Sky album? Imagine if that's like such a uh, sour sticking point. She's like, 
Get out of my yoga studio. I am no longer Zen. You've, you've, <laughs> you've robbed me of my happiness. Get out. I'm going to stab you right in your third eye. <laughs> I will go Doctor Strange on you. <laughs> um, founding member Anton Sikat became a celebrity chef in Montreal and author of several cookbooks, uh, as well as hosting a show based on one of his 2009 cookbooks, The Rebel Cook, or Le Cuisine Rebel. Um, now, it could be, can we just talk about Antoine for a sec? Okay. I could be wrong. He definitely did a, a line of commercials because I remember seeing him in commercials because my brother was like, oh, he became a celebrity chef. I remember he did a whole bunch of commercials like, hey, it's a guy from Sky. It was either for it might have been for Heinz ketchup, but something tells me it was for uh, like Hellman's Mayo because no. he replaced Chuck. OK, I was going to say, I think he replaced him. It might have been for Heinz ketchup because Chuck had those annoying commercials. Chuck, what's Chuck's last name? Hughes. Chuck Hughes. Another French celebrity chef. It's very obnoxious in these commercials because you'd be going through a market talking to the camera all hyped up, hype bro. What Chuck wants, Chuck gets. I'm like, do you think he goes to the market and goes, Chuck what, Chuck get? <laughs> he goes to the guy with the fish. What would you like today? Chuck what, Chuck get? Because yes. he does. <laughs> I'm just picturing the guy at the market. Yes, you are the consumer. If you want fish, I will give you fish. <laughs> just, we need an exchange want? of currency here first, though. Yeah. You're just going to take it. He I'm just like, takes I... takes the fish, just beating them with it. It's like chuck what, chuck what, chuck it. Like those commercials came off so bad, and I don't know why they just didn't have him going shopping, buying some mayo, making a dish with it. Instead, he had to act like an ass. Okay, so when Although... this guy showed up, I can't remember if it was for the mayo though. He had more fun. He's like playing the drums and you know playing the bass or something like that. And he's got his stuff and he's showing off his tattoos. It's a much better commercial. You know, I remember when we were in college and I started watching the Food Network a lot more. I'd watch Emerald and stuff and yeah. I'd watch, uh, I'd watch, because I didn't watch it much in high school, but, uh, and I'd be like, oh, I started watching those uh, chef uh, shows with Chuck Hughes. He seems like a good guy. And you're like, fuck that guy. You were like so angry. <laughs> I get mad. At I love the Food Network and I have, I'm opinionated about certain, uh, certain chefs. I hope I'm a lot more laid back. Like, uh, who's the cake guy? Cake balls? No. I don't know. Duff Goldman. He pisses. He doesn't piss me off. His oh, the guy with the glasses? No, the fat bald guy. Like the tattoos. He comes oh. off like uh he comes off like like he got turned down for every role Jack Black got. So he became a celebrity chef. <laughs> and oh, he's like tubular man. You know, he's just kind of annoying. And then but he's not so bad compared to like his team. Because they're all such nerds. And the ones that aren't nerds act like they're so hip because they get to make a cake for a living. Oh, congratulations. They just act like it's just like they got the hippest gig in the world. They get to make cakes. I will well, say good luck this. meeting your deadlines and good luck hauling that thing off the counter into old Duff's car. Hope it falls. <laughs> Wow, you really got some strong feelings on this. You I know what? We weren't angry enough this episode, Brian. I had to add a little anger into there. I will say, uh, celebrity chefs are... There's something about it. Some of them just seem like such dickheads that I'd want to like knock out in the street. And then other ones just seem like they just really love cooking. Like I'll tell you one who is like uh, who I love. Uh, what's yeah. his name? M uh, Michael Smith. 
The soft-spoken guy comes off as a bit of a simpleton. I know Michael Smith. <laughs> and you, okay, if you watch just a guy who like, seems to love cooking, it isn't about a showboat, then he's your yeah. guy. But that's the thing. He's like, got, but Michael Smith, okay. He's also like my of... height, so I appreciate okay. it. If we he's were my, the, he's like, my fellow tall brother. If we were to label um, Celebrity Chefs' as bands, okay, like... Guy Fieri would be like the voodoo glow skulls. You know no, what I mean? No, like, Guy Fieri is Smash Mouth. Yeah, Guy Fieri is Smash Mouth. Gordon Ramsay's a Sex Pistols. You know, I don't know. Anthony Bourdain was like the Velvet Underground. <laughs> yeah, like that's all perfect. of these are, yeah, you know, and, and then you got Michael Smith. And I guess he's like Great Big C. He's Kenny G. Who's, he's who? He's Kenny G. No, I think he's <laughs> Great Big C. He's a little bit home, home, more homely. You know yeah. what I mean? Kenny G's too manufactured. Great big C's down home, you know. But he's actually from, like, the East Coast, so I mean... So there you it go, works. it's a perfect fit. But yeah, like, his shows were just so simple, like, he just makes a meal for his wife and his kid. Oh, you're always talking about how picky he's like, oh, Gabe does not like this, like, fuck that kid! My parents didn't, like, make extra meals, and, like, they like, you eat what we make or you don't eat! Yeah, they should anger me yelling at little... too. And you know the other good thing about Michael Smith is he's, like, Really good with, like, apparently he's super good with, like, Make-A-Wish. Oh, yeah? He's kind of like our John's. Like, a lot of kids want to cook with him when they're... Oh, that's cool. ...having an illness. And, Although... Uh, yeah, he, he, he does a lot. He's not quite, like, John Cena levels of Make-A-Wish, but he's, he's, he's up there. It is interesting how, like, chef culture, like, celebrity chefs and stuff has really taken off into a whole other thing. Like, and it's weird, too, because, like, I feel like Chuck Hughes has kind of disappeared. And yet, as, like... As like celebrity chefs and like food stuff has gone on the rise the last like ten years, certain yeah. people have just kind of fallen back. But yeah, well, the, now it's, he, it's at that point where he might be like a judge in some cupcake. Oh, show. I think he is. I think and like he, we would never know because there's so many cooking shows now. Right. Yeah. Um. I met. I told you I met Lynn Crawford once. She was very nice. Well, Lynn Crawford was kind of your boss for a while, wasn't she? For like one episode, yeah. Yeah. I just I got a gig for one episode of uh, what's it called? Sh- uh, pitching in pitching in yeah i remember i remember all of this you tell me because i was fascinated by it and so yeah it was, in, it was in stratford and she was making boar and so she got to hang out with like a boar farmer that was where the the bulk of the shoot was and then uh she went to a butcher shop in town and and then there was one other thing she did and i can't fully remember oh there was another celebrity chef who was like her friend who owned like this great restaurant in town. Like we basically got to eat almost for free. Yeah, I remember um, it was on. Uh, you got, I got to eat. You got to eat here. Yeah, I'm streets yeah. ahead. I, I was in there long before you got to eat here. Was fuck you, John Catucci, in your plaid shirts. <laughs> he knows what he likes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's weird too because. I, I I was there so long ago, and then like last year, I dated a girl from Stratford. I'm like, I don't yeah. remember any of this. <laughs> Well, I guess it's booming since the days of Justin Bieber and John yeah. Crowley. <laughs> no, John Crowley is from Seaforth, not Stratford. Is that, yeah, he's, he's got some kind of connection to Stratford. Anyway. Anyway, here's anyway. Little, in case you're wondering who John Crowley is. Hey, we're about to get de- heavy, aren't we? Yes. Hey, um, we're about to get heavy. Well, we already are heavy. We both need to lose some weight. <laughs> I'm gonna go, Doctor Phil. What you need to do is lose some weight. <laughs> Let me give you one more story today. I was talking at work. This guy I used to work with us he used to always call me Ted's, like in like pluralize my name, like 
And he's like, oh, you know, like I had a, I used to have a friend named Rebecca and I call her Bex and you're Ted's. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. And the reason I don't like that, because there was a couple of kids in high school. I told this guy at work why I didn't like it. And I was like, well, you know, some kids in high school call me Ted's is an insult. So like, how's that insult? I'm like, ah, you know, I'm so fat. They got to pluralize my name. <laughs> and I'm kind of laughing about it. He's like, that's horrible. <laughs> like, I got so used to the fat jokes that they just stopped having any effect on me. So you work with this guy? <laughs> what? You work with this guy? Yeah, he's like, that's horrible. <laughs> they called you that. I'm like, eh. Next time you work with this guy, tell him he's I twice. said he's tell him I said he's dumbs plural. He's so dumb he's dumb twice. <laughs> yeah. You so were anyway. one of the people who called I, I can't remember who actually called me that, but still it, like it, after a while you just become numb to the white jokes. <laughs> Although our friends were such idiots, half of us were all a bunch of chubsters and we all would make fun of each other for being fat. It's like none of us had a, a, a leg to stand on, partially because they're gonna get chopped off due to diabetes. But I remember Campbell, uh, he used to, he was called he was making fun of me one day. I'm like, You're fatter than I am, Campbell. <laughs> He's like, no, but don't you understand? It's okay for us to make fun of each other's weights because we are fat. He's like, it's not okay for some skinny person to make fun of our weight. And then I was like, all right, fine. And then he lost a ton of weight and started making fun of me again. I said, what happened to your rule, Campbell? He goes, I used to be fat. It's okay for me to make fun of you. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I don't care what Campbell says. You lose it. You lose the right. You lose the right. Yes, once you're once you're skinny, once the body mass index indicates that you are now no, you're no longer obese. Yeah, you, uh, you, your, your weight joke privileges go out the window. Exactly. Yeah. All right. All jokes aside, while Sky was doing their thing, uh, Anton was doing his celebrity chef thing. Later on, uh, Mr. Renald settled in Los Angeles, where he signed a record deal for a solo project called Mackenzie BC. But I don't know if he uh, got writer's block, if, uh, you know, production problems. But the album, maybe it was just hot garbage, but it never saw the light of day. Uh, But James struck up a a producing partnership with one Mandy Moore. That's not a bad gig. And he wrote her song Cry and co-produced it with Peter Mochran, who uh, helped produce that first album, uh, the first Sky album. And I will Uh, say, if someone ever asked me, name a Mandy Moore song. She's a huge celebrity. That's the only song I can name by her. Yeah. Yeah. She's a huge star. I only know one of her songs. Yeah. I, I don't even think. I have to like go back and listen to Cry to see if I even remember it. Um, it was the theme for uh, A Walk to Remember. Well, I was getting to that. Oh, sorry. Anyway. So Cry sold 15,000 physical copies and 203,000 paid digital downloads according to Nielsen SoundScan. Uh, Moore said she sang it so many times, she loved it so much, she wanted to keep singing it, and Renault literally has to peel her out of the booth. That's how much the song meant to her, how much she loved it. Uh, they continued working together for several years. Uh, he lent his production skills to her uh, to to Moore's uh, From Loving You, written by Dan Warren. He also penned two songs, uh, on Miss Moore's 2007 album, Wild Hope. That sentence was written very awkwardly, but I didn't write it. Copy paste. <laughs> hey, say what you will about my scripts being off of Wikipedia. I write them fresh. 
Um, well, this is actually from an article after he passed. These are excerpts from an article. Spoilers! Uh, you mentioned it in the Not By Choice episode, Ding Dong. Because you're like, All right, that episode involves death. And then... Uh, well, Anton is still doing the celebrity chef thing. Uh, it's safe to say he's probably it, it, still it, it, alive. It, it, okay, who do you think is probably going to pass away? Freaking Johnny Rainbows or Sad Sack Stanley? Like, come on. Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds horrible. <laughs> this is a sad moment in the episode. It's only sad, Brian. I'm sorry. It's, this is what happens when emotion gets involved. I make jokes. <laughs> I know. I am not. Differently. I am not well equipped to handle these things. That's why when I die, my funeral is going to be a roast. Oh, but Mike, prepare your best material and zing me straight to hell. Eh, I think that at that point we'd probably just close the casket because your whole life's been a roast. <laughs> oh boy! You know, even did I ever tell you when my grandmother passed? This is the one who was obsessed with cats. Yeah. So I put I put a little stuffed kitten in her casket. And Aww. uh and there was like a weird cross made out of sand on Aww. her casket, which is weird because she was not religious in the slightest. But so yeah. my cousin Megan and I are sitting there and we're like, everyone's left. They're kind of going for refreshments. I'm like, Yeah, you think that's that's just freshly poured sand in like a cookie cutter cross shape, or is that yeah. like glued on? And so she's like, I don't know. I dare you to touch it. So I touched it, and I knocked it all over. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Like Good I didn't, Lord. I didn't like knock it over, but I screwed up this. I like had to like push it back to make it like retake its shape. <laughs> to reshape it. Yeah, I'm like I'm like a I'm like a sitcom character. I this is a sitcom plot. That's what that is. It's, it's gonna happen to Larry David or something like that in the next season of Curb. <laughs> he goes to a funeral like every season. Antics have happened. So yeah. yeah. Um. So. Uh. Alex Dufresne, who is one of Renault's closest friends and collaborated uh, collaborated with him on some of Moore's tracks, said he had the ability of writing on command. He could like literally pull something out of nothing, like just and write it off. Oh wow! And it would be great. He was never short of inspiration, especially when people needed him to be inspired. He could just do it over and over again. Uh, in his later years, Mr. Renault. Uh, largely gravitated away from pop finding interest in scoring hollywood movie trailers and commercials his work appeared in uh, the mission impossible ghost protocol and rampart Whoa! as well as a funnier die spoof of field of dreams starring taylor lautner okay um he drifted away from a lot of his friends and focused on learning computer graphics programs he was passionate about evolving the world of virtual reality shortly before his death he planned to create a uh, VR program that harnessed elements of storytelling in an interactive world. Um, on August 11th, 2018, at the age of 47, he committed suicide in Eastman, Quebec, after he went missing the day prior. Like I had mentioned before, he had struggled with anxiety from a young age until his death. And uh, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, uh, Anton said he did not... Uh, he saw Sky's troubles ahead. He saw public pressure, all these things, even like, you know, at their own executives, like when executives tried to talk to him at like a public music industry yeah. events, he was always just recoiled in the corner. He didn't want any of it. Um, he was trying to protect him, I guess, huh? Yeah, he was definitely yeah. his buffer. Yeah. Um, 
And let's see. He'd always say how much he hated it. Seacott said, that's Anton, the adoration or adoration of people looking at him was made him very uncomfortable. He wanted his songs to be popular, but I guess he didn't want the attention that came with it. Those moments eventually eventually became too much to bear. While in the years since he's uh, he'd passed, or even, even in the years since Sky broke up, uh, Anton and James didn't really talk, but Anton always felt like he would reunite with his own uh, bandmate. He always wondered how he was doing out yeah. in LA and hoped they rekindle their friendship that led to Sky and maybe make some more uh, music down the road. And here's a quote. He said, I dreamed about uh, about him many times over the years and those dreams were always about us reconnecting. He said, there's a lot of sadness that feels like this had ended. Uh, so if you take nothing else away from this episode, other than the fact that Ted and I are horrible people, um, it you ended know, nice. Uh, <laughs> You know, if if there is someone in your life who is struggling with mental health, anxiety, get them help and also never let them push you away. Uh, because our friends, like we've lost touch with a, one friend who never fully came to terms with his some of his demons. And unfortunately, I got to say goodbye. Not everyone else did because I know he burnt a lot of bridges and it ended on very poor terms. And some people... Can you know some people have guilt if uh, if a friendship kind of dwindles and they, or they pass away before you know people could be coup de la as we like to say, mm. uh, and because it always feels like there's unfinished business and unfinished feelings that never got to be expressed, and I think that's what Anton had with James. But um, and it also goes to show you, like with today's world, the world is a lot smaller than it used to be for sure. So if you if you do have that inkling. I wonder what they're up to. I really miss them. Reach out. Yeah. Don't wait for the day that you magically see each other somewhere. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, you know, bumping into each other in a coffee shop. It's like, oh, I'm in town. You're in town. Let's go get some drinks. You know, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes no. it has to be like, you got to reach out and someone has to make the first move. The world is bigger and smaller at the same time. But uh, thanks to social media and stuff like that, reaching out is a lot easier. You don't have to write them a letter. You don't have to, you know, go through five levels to get a phone number or something like that. It's all right. Hell, like look at this. There. We're 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 making a podcast sixteen mm-hmm. hours away from That's each other. Right. That's right. So it can be done with the magic of radio. It sounds like we're in the same room. <laughs> this is radio. It's a podcast, but still, you know. Uh, but that, but that is a big thing. And it, it is sad that he went. I didn't even know he had died until my brother texted me while we were recording. Um, not by choice. Oh, really? Yeah. At the end, he was just like, you know, it might make a good story too. He was like, you know, the the lead singer killed himself in 2018. I was like, what? I didn't know he died. I know. Yeah, I, I, I sound like he, I'm I on old time radio. I knew he had stage fright, and I knew that he had tremendous anxiety, and that's why he he stopped singing with sky but i had no idea that he uh he died so. yeah it's it's although it's weird unless like we'll never know because uh, actually there's another interesting thing his huh. family was very yeah. private they're like we do not want any anyone reaching out like they're like we handle this on our own it's, it's like some sort of like mafioso business like we keep it in-house and yeah. so it's it's also one of those things too it's like not to not for nothing, but like almost no wonder why he took his own life because like clearly 
His family's not one for communication. Yeah. Not exactly a healing environment, <laughs> you know? They don't uh, like music, apparently. They might not have had, uh, he might not have had places to turn for comfort or like, you know, just to wrap it out. And that was the gist of a uh, love song that you got. Yeah. Yeah. Really, it's it's really it throws you off when it's called love song and the lyrics are it's kind of like a love song. There's nothing love songy about that song. <laughs> it's really a sad song when you realize uh, how things went. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's also it's weird because like I don't know like if his career really hit the skids or I mean then again you some, never know what could set someone off. Some especially people when it comes to mental health and especially someone who's dealt with like anxiety and stuff like that throughout their lives. It can be fine. It just takes one major trigger yeah. to push you over the edge. And yeah, sometimes you hear those stories about people who are literally on top of the world and then just yeah. like they're they're dead the next day or next week. Yeah. You know, it's 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 just like addiction. You know what I mean? Like one thing can push you back to the starting point. Yeah. You know, you live with this kind of stuff. You live with your mental health issues. You live with, you know, you live with that stuff. So now as we wrap up everything. Mm-hmm. Like let's say in another life, where okay. like if Sky and, or if sorry, if uh, James had not left Sky. And, yeah, you're right. This is a harder one to do because, because we're gonna have to go with hypotheticals on this one. Yeah. Do yeah. you think? Do you think if James and Anton, you know, maybe if they had taken a year or two off, he's like, you know, you you go retreat to a cabin in the woods. I'm gonna go ham it up at the whatever. I'm gonna go ham it up with Chuck. And uh, <laughs> we'll talk mayonnaise. When Chuck wants Chuck gets Chuck wants Sky. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but so if he's like, I'll go off and do my thing. You take some time to like get out of the limelight. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Frank Rush wrote a whole song about about the limelight. Hmm. It's called Limelight. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but. Uh, Sorry, this is a weird pop-up. Uh, yeah, if they had continued, you know, took some time, reconvened, like, let's say, 2001, yeah. and he, you know, got his mental health in check, you know, the hype of the first album might have died down. Do you think uh, Do you think he could have recreated, or they could have recreated that magic, or do you think, uh, do you think they were one-trick ponies, or do you think maybe they would have built? What do you think would have happened? It is very hard to tell because of how things actually went and we're talking hypothetical i want to think that they would have kept making big hits because clearly they had an ear for it clearly you know renald went on to a great career uh, as behind the scenes guy and he was a good singer you know uh i like to think that he understood like what was hip at the time you could write a hit yeah you know so i'd like to think that incapable you know that they'd be definitely capable of uh keeping that mojo going i so, will say this I say yes even though it's a hypothetical yeah, I agree. Yeah. I will say this though: of all the artists we've covered, he's really one of the few who wrote like the scene. At, like, because you know, we always talk about like you know, Doug uh, mm-hmm. wrote some great songs. Doug and the Slug were great, but the time-wise, they weren't always in simpatico with what was going on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, certain things or like cer- certain bands just couldn't didn't quite have the hit, the ear for the hit, the earworm. Or like mm-hmm. he was like he had to hit the knack for the earworm to write a hit, and he was in simpatico with what was going on at the time. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he's like, yeah, yeah. He understood the trends of music and where things were going. The yeah. only thing I would have done differently for at least for Piece of Paradise was maybe not go with the Euro uh, Syndicate 
because it did make it feel a little low rent at the time. Hmm. But uh, I think with different producers, it would have been. Uh, well, yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is like uh, the, the album clearly sold well. It was mm-hmm. popular, won awards. So, I mean, you know, they probably would have gotten a bigger budget for the next album, or maybe they might have made some connections out in L.A., New York. Well, he had some... no trouble getting a high-profile gig when he went out there. Yeah. So, I mean, who yeah. knows? They could have gotten in touch with other people. Maybe if they wanted, like, a, a remix, they could have gotten that Van Buren, <laughs> Martin Van Buren or something. I don't know. but yeah. uh... They could have done a whole thing where you show up and old uh, Antoine Sicat feeds you a three-course meal and... And you listen to a sky show. Isn't that how like the, the last waltz went? They all sat down and had Thanksgiving dinner and then the show happened? Yeah. That ticket yeah, was twenty so five for Sky. He, he he curates your meal and then you listen to Sky. The last waltz ticket was like twenty five dollars and it included Jeez. a full Thanksgiving meal and then like a four hour concert. Yeah. With like some of the best bands. I will say, you know what would have sucked? Eventually you were gonna have to shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's awkward when you have to shit at a concert. And the other thing, too, that would have been awkward is that tryptophan, when you got to sit through a four-hour show and drink all that turkey, and probably drinking, would have kicked in at some point. By that final jam, you'd be sleeping. Ted, it was 1976. They were all probably on so many uppers and things like that that would have offset the tryptophan. They they did have a Coke room where you could, you know, it was painted white with plastic noses all over the wall, and Apparently a record of snorting sounds. <laughs> Middle of the room, giant plate of coke. <laughs> anyway. Well, I think that about wraps it up for Sky, doesn't it? Yeah. Not yeah. unless we want to talk about Neil Young and the Coke Nug, but... Uh... Nah, you know, at some point in time, we'll visit the last waltz. We'll walk through all the anarchy that was the last waltz. Because, you know, you got the band... You got Neil Young. You got Joni Mitchell. You've got Ronnie Hawkins, like an unofficial Canadian. He's a Canadian citizen, eventually. R.I.P. Um, R.I.P. Well, well, Joni and Neil are still good, but Rick, no, Levon, Ronnie Hawkins and literally just passed, like, last I week. I know! I said it, Rick, Levon, and Richard. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently not Garth's not doing too well, either. Well, he's, like, in his, like... What? He's late old. 70s, he's always early, old. He had early giant 80s. gray beard all the time. <laughs> I'm pretty he sure like he like... was 80 when he was 20. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but I have where he's not doing too too well. It's just Garth a shame, so best wishes to him. Yeah, he looks horrible. Yeah, oh, he's 84. So, yeah, he's, he's getting up there. He's yeah, still... so he's getting on the on in years, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're All just right. we're just pittering at this point. We're, we're, we're pitter-pattering right now. Um, but the next episode is going to be one of two. So our next major tentpole episode, which should be coming your way pretty soon... All of the all of the albums are on Spotify. No waving finger of shame for these guys. Uh, we're going to be bringing in some. We're talking about the hip hop, one of the hip hop greats of our country, the Rascals. That's going to be our next big episode. Our next short stack because Brian's basically already written the script and done the research for it. Is going to be uh, Biff Naked's. Uh, uh, well, what do we call them? They're her proteges. Yeah, live on release. So that's a good companion piece to the Biff Naked episode we just did. So one of those two episodes will be next. We'll see. 
bef- well, all right. I'm going to say something off air, but we'll wrap it up here. I'm oh, Brian. Okay. Uh, I, I'm Ted, and I'm very nervous because I think Brian's getting, I think Brian's mad at me. No, it's just something about the rascals. I just oh, want to. It just uh, didn't, didn't, didn't want to prolong the episode here. I just wanted oh, okay. to. Okay, okay. All right. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next week. One, two, one, two. Yeah.